everybody. Hey there. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. We're recording on Sunday, which is Mother's, which is Mother's which Day. Which was May Mother's 10th, Day. yes. Yes. Which is Mother's Day. In the future, it will have been... It was. was. This, I always get tripped up with... <laughs> <laughs> but happy Mother's happy Day. Happy Mother's Day. To all of the mothers who are listening. Mm-hmm. And godmothers. Yes. And grandmothers. I don't know. Do you think we have any grandmothers who listen? Sure. If you're a grandmother and you're let out there, know. let us know. I'd be curious to know. I would love it. Yeah. But anyway, I'm Daniel. Oh, and I'm Holly. And you're listening to Halfway Saints. Episode 13. Lucky number 13. Ooh. You know what I never got? Is that they're, like, Friday the 13th. It's just as rare to have a Saturday the 14th. Because oh, yeah. it's just as rare to have any day of any number. Yeah, so why is it a deal? What's the deal? <laughs> What's the deal with Friday the 13th? No, Nobody knows? No. Evil things happen? I guess. Nah. Bananas. Um, but we wanted to say sorry for any um, feedbacky sounds. Yeah, we noticed we were listening last week, and at one point... There's a little, like, buzzing kind of sound. It's very subtle. So if you noticed it and you were annoyed and you, like, unplugged your headphones and plugged them back in, it wasn't you. It was us. Yeah, little uh, uniclops here. We don't know what's wrong with them. That's the microphone, if you don't remember. Oh, yeah. A while ago. We told you guys (laughs) the story about my uniclops um, Pictionary. Mishap. Mishap. Um, And so we are now calling our microphone uniclops because he has one head one one eye don't one eye don't tell. oh i shouldn't touch it <laughs> no. i forgot <laughs> it's a microphone um yeah so uniclops is having some difficulties and we can't figure out why yeah. so so sorry sorry if it happens it seems to just be chance if it happens or if it doesn't so just praying that it doesn't happen yeah uh but we hope everyone had a happy Mother's Day. Holly got to celebrate her first Mother's Day. That's very nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Daniel let me... Well, Daniel let me sleep in. And he made me crepes for breakfast. Which was wonderful, because that's my favorite thing of all time. And then I got to... Well, we got to go to Mass, which was great. I let her do that every Sunday, not just on Mother's Day. <laughs> Um, and Daniel took care of Jack the whole time. He got to go to the back with him and held him when he was, like, wiggling around. But he was actually very well behaved today. Yeah. So you got part. off easy. Anyway, uh, then I got to go, um, during Jack's afternoon nap, I got to go shopping all by myself. Holly got a treat yourself day. Treat yourself. Um, and then after that, after he woke up. Then we all went to Target and Barnes and & Noble and Best Buy, which pretty much was Daniel and my Saturday afternoon before Jack yeah, was born. we'd make the rounds of all the stores. Mm-hmm. So. Because I, I really like being around books in general. Like, I like to read them, but I also like to be near them, like in a bookstore or yeah. a library. Anywhere else books are found. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I had a wonderful Mother's Day. But speaking of books, um, we got an email from a listener, Katie Dornboss, and she um, suggested that we do a podcast on books and the books that we love and what we love about them. Yeah. Um, so, so here we are. Here we are. We're doing it. Yeah. Just goes to show you, if you suggest something, we might actually do it. Yeah. Or if you have any, just a little tidbit, if you have any feedback or questions or anything we would love to answer them on the podcast yes so we would love for it to be a discussion mm-hmm. that's just a little side note in there but we are going to get to our books yes i'm starting you're starting um you can start you're starting i'm starting <laughs> i'm glad we worked together on that one um so i i may have mentioned this before i got my bachelor's degree and master's degree in English. Um, so I read a lot of books and, um, so asking me to like pick like my one favorite book, it's kind of difficult. So I picked, um, 
a couple of things that have stuck with me. When I think of like what's my favorite book or my favorite text, by the way, when you're a fancy literature critic, you They're say texts. texts. They're texts. <laughs> text. you talk about textuality, which sounds bad, yeah. but I didn't say. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, so, as I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, I wrote my master's thesis on Flannery O'Connor. Um, she's one of my favorite authors. Um, and one of her stories that I really love and that I find myself thinking of often um, is a story called Greenleaf. It's a short story. It's a short story called Greenleaf. She, yeah, she's, um, she only wrote two novels. She's more well known for her um, short story. She had like two collections that she published and like a few others that she publishes one off in magazines. Fun fact, she lived in Savannah, Georgia. She was, she was born in Savannah. Mm-hmm. Which is where I went to school. Mm-hmm. You can go visit her childhood home in Savannah. It's a which, museum now. Which is right across the street from the cathedral. Mm-hmm. Which is a very beautiful cathedral if you've ever been to Savannah. Or if you're ever going to Savannah, you should visit the cathedral. St. John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. On Abercorn. <laughs> Sorry. Go <Okay>. on. <laughs> Some people are trying to map out their vacation now. Yep. Um... But, so Greenleaf is a short story. Um, I get, I don't, I guess I can give away the ending. Mm. I mean, it's kind of... It's pretty integral to what you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I'll silence my cell phone. Mm-hmm. Holly's so popular. So popular for my mom. Um, so the basic premise of Greenleaf is there's this woman named Mrs. May who um, owns a farm her husband has died. She kind of like runs the farm. Um, and she has this family that works for her, the Greenleafs. Um, and she kind of thinks of them as like, like kind of like trashy people. Like they're poor, they work for her. They're kind of like their kids run around the yard with no shoes. And, um, she kind of looks down on them a lot. And her own two sons are kind of, um, they don't really, they like just mess with her all the time and joke with her. And, She's, she's just not happy at all because she's got these people who um, work for her who she considers lazy and, like, no good and trashy. And, like, she feels like it's her against the world and the whole world's, you know, going to crap. And she's the only one standing up for, like, decent society. Um, and the main action of the story is that there's this bull that's escaped and it gets loose um, in her property, and she's trying to like figure out who owns it. She thinks that it's owned by the Greenleaf's sons, um, and that kind of is the impetus. The conflict. Yeah. For oh the my action. gosh, impetus. What? With your that's fancy not, words. That's not a fancy of a word. I, I don't think I've ever heard that word before. Really? Yeah. It is a fancy word. Okay. <laughs> um, but one image that I really love from the story and that's has really stuck with me is um mrs greenleaf so the the wife of the the worker on the farm um she has this habit of um she calls herself like a faith healer but basically she prays that people will be healed and she like cuts out all these like horrible stories from the newspaper and like keeps them with her of like rapes and murders and like missing children and she like prays over these people um and she has this weird prayer ritual where she'll, like, roll around and, like, writhe around on the ground and, like, moaning. And, like, the main character, Mrs. May, thinks it's, like, the most bizarre thing in the world. And it is pretty bizarre. Sounds pretty weird. Pretty bizarre. Um, when she does that, she says over and over again, Jesus stabbed me in the heart. And I just think that's such, like, such, like, a profound prayer. And I've, like, oftentimes, like, that's my prayer for the day. Like, Jesus pierced my heart. Um, kind of, cause it kind of goes back to what, um, I think Simeon tells Mary, um, when they bring Jesus, he says, your, um, and your soul too shall be pierced, something like that. Um, but just the idea of being like stabbed or pierced in the heart by Jesus, like allowing him to make like an effective action in your life and to open you up, um, cause kind of a consequence of being stabbed is being opened up. And it's only through being opened up that you can allow God's grace to go within you. So it's kind of... And Flannery O'Connor, like, frequently returns to this theme of um, 
like forceful grace or like violent grace penetrating you despite your best effort to resist God. Not in the sense of like it's irresistible, like you can't say no, but like it comes at you in a way that you don't expect it. Um, so I really love that about this story um, and how it um, just brings this kind of bizarre, it puts it in a bizarre light, but when you think about it, it's actually like a really good thing to keep in mind. Like we should always ask God to open our hearts to, um, to help us to weep for those for whom he weeps. So all these newspaper clippings she carries around, like we should be weeping when we hear that someone was raped or murdered or that a child is missing and we kind of just you know it's like a newspaper it's folded up put it in the recycling bin we don't really dwell on it um but the story the way the story ends spoiler alert spoiler alert um it was released in like 1955 so if you haven't read it by now that's your own fault um the story ends with mrs may um being stabbed by the stray bull that's on her property and it actually like gores her with one of the horn one of its horns in her heart and like the closing image of the story is her um like with the horn in her chest and being held by the bull's other horn so she's like simultaneously pierced and held and caressed at the same time like cuddled yeah and it's just like a really beautiful image of what god does for us like we want to be our own person we want to like make our own way but he's not going to allow us to do that and sometimes it is like a violent like we i think a lot of people have had those moments where it's just like i'm not in control of my own life and it is violent and piercing but in that moment we're opened up to god's love and to god's grace so it's this, this really cool image of like simultaneously being like stabbed and held like like it's a moment of suffering and consolation all in one and I just think that's a really cool image. It is. And that is, like, this short story is a great, like, way to explain how to read Flannery O'Connor. Because it's, like, people are just, like, wow, she's so violent. So She's so, like, weird and gross and, like, what, mm-hmm. like, um, explicit. Mm-hmm. But Grace is explicit. And that's, like, the point that she's making. Like, the violence is the point. Yeah. And that's even within the story, um, like, Mrs. May, the main character, says, like, she um, doesn't think, like, like, she's, like, repulsed by um, Mrs. Greenleaf, like, saying Jesus out loud. She's like, that should stay in church. Like, what are you Mm. doing talking about Jesus explicitly? It's, like, almost, like, profane for her, Mm -hmm. which is crazy because it's sort of, it's sacred. It's the opposite of something profane. But it's kind of, I think we tend to, like, sanitize, um our relationships with Christ and like like we would think it's obnoxious if someone keeps talking about Jesus or even like mentions it outside of like oh no you can talk about that in church but in like polite company like you don't talk about religion it's not something you talk about yeah there are a lot of things that are coming through my head about religious liberty and things oh, and right like, we won't touch on that for tonight no yeah that's great <laughs> I thought we could alternate I'll talk about one oh, okay. talk about one yeah Sorry. Um, so the one that I'm going to talk about now is my... Um, Daniel and I read this together. When did we read this? We... I don't know. Did we get it, like, from a parish? No. We ordered it. Did we? I don't think so. Look on the back. Does it say, like, from someone? No. I thought we picked it up, like, at... <gasps> You're right. We did. Yeah. Yeah, I... I think... A Sacred Heart? Maybe. I don't remember anyway. exactly, but we got it a couple years ago. Like a year ago. Mm-hmm. A year ago. <laughs> we're, going, we're going with a year. <laughs> but um, I haven't even said the name of the book. It's Rome Sweet Home uh, by Scott and Kimberly Hahn. If you don't know about Scott Hahn, there's a lot to know. Yeah. And he's really incredible Mm -hmm. um and this book is his and his wife's journey from um protestant presbyterian um background to the catholic faith and if we have any protestant 
uh, friends who are listening um, who are interested in the church, I would highly, highly, highly recommend this book. Um, Scott Hahn, as he was going through all of his schooling and seminary, did he go to seminary? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was like for a Presbyterian, Presbyterian yeah. yeah. Um, he was like top of his class, like super smart and like completely anti-Catholic. Like his motivation for all of his work was to like debunk Catholicism and it was to like bring everyone away, like that like the enemy was the Catholic church. And so he was like this super scholar on Luther and Calvin and uh, who are the other guys? There's one other guy that I always mention with those two, but I can't remember who it was. I don't remember. I don't know. Um, but Luther and Calvin, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, like, super, super smart about them. I was writing all of these um, really well, like, well-received essays and scholarly works on them. And then all of a sudden, he was like, wait, this doesn't make... I don't... What exactly was it that... I forget what it was. I don't know if it was all of a sudden, but I remember there was one thing that, like, he went to his friends and I didn't have an answer to. It may have been, like, the concern over free will versus predestination, maybe? I don't think it was. I think it was the Eucharist. Maybe. But there was one thing where that was, he was like... He wanted I'm... to know more information about it, and there just wasn't really right any kind of rebuttal that he could find. And then, like, my favorite part of this book was his first mass experience that he because he's so he's so so knowledgeable about old testament new testament oh and he had this whole theology that he was like uh developing he wasn't the first one to develop this though but he was working with this covenant theology that worked with old testament covenants and how they were fulfilled in the new testament and was working with those so he was completely well versed in old testament and new testament scripture and whenever he first attended mass, he was like, oh my gosh, this is happening from, like, this is this part, like, this is from this book, and this is from that book, and this is reflecting the Exodus, and this is uh, foretelling, like, oh. and he just, like, recognized every part of the mass that is reflected in scripture that I don't really, like, I don't even pick up on those things because I'm just not as well-versed as he was. But um, I loved reading about that in this book and especially from coming from a community where Calvin um was like very prominent and I was dealing a lot with um like understanding the Catholic view on Calvin and understanding what I disagreed with Calvin or like under verbalizing those kinds of things to myself um this book was a wonderful uh, resource for that and it came it was like as we said it was a year ago <laughs> <laughs> it may have been longer than that no we were we, i remember reading we're this in, in this house. house okay and i wasn't pregnant yet okay so that's like that's how we're gonna have to like remember things like how much. old kids were and what house we were in yeah but um yes so it was like a year ago which is like a year it was two years after I became Catholic, right? So, um, it's not like I was, like, new to the faith while reading this, but reading this book really gave me a lot of confident, more confidence in the faith, mm. and to see similarities between my background and Scott's background was really amazing, and to really hear Kimberly, his wife, Kimberly's perspective, right. that- because the, I really love it because the chapters go back and forth between, like, Scott's uh, like journey and then Kimberly's reaction to Scott's mm-hmm. which she like took a long time right and I think that's one of the really cool things about the book is you get to see um, kind of how their marriage and their relationship plays into this and how like they like still love one another but like it takes a while for them to like get on the same page cause mm-hmm. like Scott's very like he's like totally into it and he's gonna do it. and they do it like they go they talk about, like, losing friends and people who were, like, very upset with them for doing this. Because he wasn't, like, like Holly said, like, he was kind of, like, um, he wasn't just kind of, like, a quiet Presbyterian minister. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, like, active in research and doing a lot of those things. And um, 
he got a lot of like criticism and um it was like and, a very tough decision so it's cool to see how their relationship plays into that and helps mm-hmm. them through that and it was just nice for me to read like to read i again just to, to read something so similar to my own because i just never realized growing up and like the way that i i had thought that it was like okay i could be anything except catholic like if like in um the book i'm sorry i'm doing a terrible job of explaining myself but kimberly in it is like well why can't we just be episcopals (laughs) like why can't we just join the anglican church um and he's like well that's it's not it it's just not the full thing like you have to go all the way and if this is the truth like which it is we need to you know uh, embrace it. Embrace it. I kept trying to say a cu- curse word, and I couldn't. <laughs> How would you make a we curse word? We can't half butt it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do it full, full, full force. butt. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I really loved this book, and it um really helped me in understanding. The things I like come to these conclusions already, but to hear someone else come to these conclusions um, from such a more educated background mm-hmm. was really wonderful. And um, I follow Scott on Facebook now, and I just love to and like to know his story and to like see his grandkids. It's just really exciting, mm-hmm. and he's so smart. Yeah, if you, I mean, imagine a lot of people listening have heard of Scott Hahn. Um, we're very jealous of our friends who went to Franciscan University. Oh my gosh! Yes. They like may or may not have had a class with him. It's um, ridiculous. But he his books are really great and they're very um, accessible. Yes. So if you have if you're not super well versed in theology, he explains things um, really well. He has uh, three books that I've I've started reading. The third one, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I skipped the first two, but it's called. I'm trying to. Is it Letter and Spirit? Consuming the Word. Consuming the Word, mm-hmm. yes, which I thought was going to be about the Eucharist, which it kind of is, but it's more about the New Testament mm-hmm. as the Word consuming. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> just just say it a few more times. Put the emphasis on different <laughs> words. I think they'll get it. But um, that's a great book, but I'm only like a chapter into it, so don't take my word for it. But they are very easy to read, which mm-hmm. is great for me because... I think the book that we had read together right before this one was Jesus of Nazareth mm-hmm. by Pope Benedict, which... It was um, a little heady, yeah. I would fall asleep every time we would read it. <laughs> but this book I loved, mm-hmm. um, and I highly recommend it to anybody, really anybody, Rome Sweet Home. Mm-hmm. And um, what's really great about this book is it, I guess, introduces to the idea of covenant theology and of looking at salvation history as a series of covenants that God makes with man. Because I I remember being compl- like really at a loss of reconciling Old Testament God to New Testament God. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, God said you I just learned this like learned this little detail through the lanky guys this week. Mm-hmm. But that um so like when Old Testament God was like you can't eat pork and can't eat all of these foods because they're unclean then in the new testament all of a sudden we can and i think it's like peter he's like god yeah, i can't the pigs in the blanket yeah yeah <laughs> he's like i can't eat this and god's like yes you can it's it's clean it's clean it's because clean. it's been made clean by god exactly yeah that not like he didn't change his mind to like oh no these foods are all of a sudden clean because i say that they are mm-hmm. like you no longer have to obey that law no I redeemed creation to be those foods are now clean. They used to be unclean and now they are actually clean in themselves. You know what's another interesting thing about that is that some of the Old Testament dietary laws were designed to prevent um, relations with other people of other nations. So like um, the prohibition against eating anything boiled in its mother's milk I forget what culture it was. There was some culture that the delicacy there was like goat boiled in goat's milk. Um, so they kept the Jews from intermarrying and um, 
having interactions with the other cultures to like preserve them. And then what happens when Jesus comes? Spread out. All the nations are brought into the covenant. Yeah. So it, it from a le- yeah. <laughs> Stretch your legs, guys. <laughs> so it makes sense um, from like a legal perspective too. Like we are now going out to all these nations. We no longer have to observe these laws that kept us that separate prohibit from. us. From. Mm-hmm. So whenever you say that, like the understand, like ah, I have to get my words out correctly. That is an integral part of talking. <laughs> um, Old Testament Israel was supposed to evangelize the other nations. That they, was their, like... They were supposed to be a model for other nations. They were supposed to be a light for all the nations. And it was... They weren't... They were supposed to, I guess, in a way, evangelize others, but they are supposed to remain a single nation. Okay. Because when they're in exile the ones who stray are the ones who start participating in the culture of the other right. nations that have... But the other nations were always welcome to come into the covenant with the Lord? Um, I don't know. I know that the Jews didn't like that and like thought of themselves as like... Well, yeah, because they got it wrong. Right. I, I'm not certain on whether or not... That's all right. Within the Old Testament, that was what they're supposed to be doing but the old testament is basically like the nation of israel getting things wrong and god trying to help them and they get them wrong right anyway all this to say that covenant theology from scott Hahn and the introduction of that through rome sweet home made a really big difference in the way that we understood old testament versus new testament and especially for me because i always could I, i never could reconcile that and i always was thinking that god was like two different people like a like a vengeful God in the Old Testament, and then a all of a sudden a loving God. He took God. a spa week, and right? Just like, needed a little no, Sorry, guys. Um, but that art, that interest in covenant theology, um, prompted us to pick up another <coughs> book that has become one of our favorites, and it has a very interesting title. It's called um, "Bible Basics for Catholics," <laughs> and it's. You know, um, it's by very basic. It is, but it's by um, a guy named John Bergsma, who also teaches at Franciscan. Because everything cool happens at Franciscan. It's true. It's true. I know Holly and I frequently lament um, having come into the faith after we had chosen. Word. Actually, no, we don't lament that because we both had good college experiences. But yeah, we would have liked the option to go to a great. Catholic we didn't school. know. We didn't we know, know about it. It's okay. But it was funny because. Uh, a couple of years ago, before we found all of our friends that we are now friends with, who mm-hmm. a bunch of them went to Steubenville, um, we were like, man, we have to go to Steubenville. Like, it's the coolest thing. <laughs> and everything, like, great that we were reading or anything good in the church, like, there was some kind of tie to Steubenville. And we're like, ah, we just got to get there. And then we met friends. Like, where'd you go to school? Franciscan. What? You're the coolest. Sorry. I'm really excited tonight. I know um, you are. But yeah, so we read this book, Bible Basics for Catholics, and it's really fun because there are stick figure drawings. <laughs> it's, so don't worry, you won't fall asleep while no, reading this. No, uh, yeah. Um, and it's very, very easy to understand. Um, yeah. And what it, the way it's laid out is it goes through each covenant that's made between God and man, starting um, with Adam and Eve, um, and then... Uh, All right, I'll get to the page. Hold Abraham. on. Wait, sorry. We got the. Yeah, Abra- the with Adam and Eve, then with Noah, then with Abraham, then the Mosaic Covenant, then uh, the Davidic, the Davidic. Covenant, covenant, and then wait, there's, there's two more. Holly has to find the right stick figure drawing. Hold on, we'll get there. You should just skip to the end when it shows all of them. The New Covenant. The New Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy one. But then and then the Eucharistic. The seventh is the Eucharistic Covenant. Yes. So it just it looks at salvation history through these covenants, and it really makes a lot of sense when looking at it through that. Um, and with each time, the covenant grows. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Adam and Eve, you have two, and then with Noah, you have Noah's whole family, and then with Abraham, you have all his descendants. With Moses, you have the whole nation, and it just keeps get growing and growing and growing. Um as God brings more people into his family through these covenants. Because that's what a covenant was, was like a way to 
or was sometimes a way to join families together. Yes. It's a people... Like a marriage covenant brings two families together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I really enjoyed this, especially because, unlike Daniel, I don't read that often, and I don't have a ton of books to to choose from for all of my favorites, Um, because I like very easy to read. I like beach reads, we'll say. Um, And this was just very, very easy for me to read, and easy to understand, especially because of the stick figures. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have really good information. No, not I think, at all. I think There's it shows a lot it, to learn here. And I think it shows the skill of an author when he can explain something complex in a, in a simple and easy to understand way. Um, and it really, I think, you really, in not understanding the Old Testament and how that relates to what Jesus does, you really lose a big dimension of the faith. Um, because it just adds so much depth to it, and it makes everything make so much more sense. And you can understand the sacraments better, mm-hmm. like without a doubt. Like it's um, it's if you just understand the Eucharist to be being God um, giving you His body and His blood, like that's great. Like there's more than enough grace just within that sacrament. Um, but just knowing more about it and understanding how this is the fulfillment of something that was started at the beginning of time. Um, just adds that much more depth to it. Well, you can understand things like if you look at Jesus in the way that the early Jews or the early Christians looked at Jesus. Well, the late Jews. The <laughs> what? <laughs> if you look at Jesus the way that the Jews of his time. Yes. <laughs> looked at him. <laughs> Because you understand why they got it wrong all the time. Because mm-hmm. because they were expecting this like victorious leader mm-hmm. to like defeat all of their physical earthly uh, enemies, where he actually was going to be victori- victorious over this like you know otherworldly evil mm-hmm. and otherworldly uh, enemy. And so, just knowing these kinds of covenants and what God was doing in them and what. Um, how the people reacted and you know how God reacted to the people uh let you understand Jesus and what he came to fulfill mm-hmm. in a much deeper way yeah and it also helps you to like you know read through the old testament read through the prophets and um you know the historic books and the wisdom books and really understand and appreciate what they're referring to um and a lot of the like early fa- church fathers like were really deep in the Old Testament and like pull so much um, just like a wealth of knowledge out of there and um, Holly mentioned Pope Benedict's book Jesus of Nazareth which uh, is a really good book it's a really good book it is I'm sorry I couldn't drink it, it or drink it <laughs> <laughs> don't <laughs> drink coffee while reading it it's like a fr- what drink it in <laughs> no but it is like a it's a thinking book a thinking man's That's book, thinking. but it, um, he does pull on the Old Testament because the purpose of that book is for him to explain who Jesus of the Scriptures is, and mm-hmm. he pulls on a lot of Old Testament imagery, um, and it really, it again, it adds a dimension to who Christ is and what he accomplished. I remember a conversation that Danielle and I had once while we were helping lead our CIA at one of our. Oh yeah, I was gonna bring oh, this up. Yeah, well, I'm well, bringing it up. Let's see if it's the same point. Oh, okay. Should we say it at the same time? No, Red- no, oh. no. <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> um, but one of the kind of humans. Well, we don't know if we're telling the same story. Okay. One of the people there. One of the people there brought up, like, what if um, there were other tribes besides just Israel that God was working in, or like whatever. And so, like, what he was really saying was like, why do we have to pay attention to the Old Testament at all? Yeah, like, I think. The understanding was that Jesus just happened to be Jewish. I think that was kind of there. Yeah. Like, oh, well, we get Jesus. He's great. Like, he just happened to be Jewish. So, of course, all this Jewish stuff is going to be going Yeah. On. But, like, why do we need to pay attention to it? But if you miss that, like, you miss all of those thousands of years where God was revealing himself to Israel. Mm-hmm. And was trying to teach them or get in relationship with them. And you just miss this, like, huge, beautiful love story that is just there for your taking. Mm-hmm. If you just, like, understand it. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta understand it, man. Um, drink it in. Drink it in. <laughs> T- 
tall cup of knowledge in the morning. <laughs> um, another book that we, I will tentatively um, recommend. I haven't actually read it. Um, it's oh. called The Crucified Rabbi by Taylor Marshall. Oh, And yeah. it basically traces the Jewish roots of the Christian faith, of the Catholic faith. And it's really good. Um, You've never read it. <laughs> well, no, but I've listened to, Taylor Marshall does a lot of, he puts out a ton of stuff. So he's done yes. a lot of podcasts and written articles and stuff. And he he's very reliable and has a lot of good stuff to say. So I trust that this book is kind of like going into deeper into stuff he's touched mm-hmm. on and other, other things. All that to say that the Old Testament is very, very valuable. Right. And Bible Basics for Catholics was a very good way of getting... Um, tapping into that. Tapping into it and just understanding it so that you can, say, read um, Exodus and be like, oh, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. this is it. And you can see, like, Exodus is... The cruci- like you can see everything being foretold in right. the Exodus and in all these stories before. And you can like pick up something and like read about the temple and know like, oh, okay, so when Jesus says he is the new temple, that's what this means. So it just again, and w- then you can see it in the mass. Yeah, then you can see it in mass. Yeah. What? So it just yeah, it's a very valuable and rich part of our Catholic faith and our Catholic tradition that um, I think a lot of times can fall by the wayside and kind of get glossed over as sort of being unimportant or out of touch. That's the worst. No one wants to be out of touch or Mm -hmm. passe. I think the term passe is actually now passe, which is bizarre. (laughs) Can you imagine? Who would have thought we'd make it to this point? Um, So, turning back to fiction, if you ever notice a trend, I... Well, Holly likes fiction, too. I like fiction (laughs) (laughs) what's the trend my no my i feel like my most the most impactful things i've read have been fiction and not necessarily like um well because you like learn stuff quickly and you don't need books to to learn it like you know i've learned my like catholic a lot of my understanding of faith has come from books before i was catholic i was only like my church experience all through high school is just books Mm. so i read to learn (laughs) <laughs> I read to learn too. And just to say, I'll I'll get into it later. But my fiction books are not—they um, don't lead me into deeper understanding. They just—they do a little bit. They do. But they're definitely don't be so hard on yourself. I know, but they're definitely like fun reads. Yeah. Easy I, breezy reads. I think I think these books are easy reads. But you're a lot smarter than I am. That's debatable. In different ways, you have different gifts than oh, I do. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, Another book, this is when people ask me, like, what's your favorite book? And they make me give an answer, which they do. They're so forceful. I know. Why do you always say that everyone's so forceful on you? Maybe they are. You they're don't know. not. I'm with you 90% of the time. And they're scared to ask me what my favorite book no. is when you're around. Anyway, if people, if I had to, gun to my head, I have to tell you my favorite book. I'd probably say Brideshead Revisited um, by Evelyn Waugh. Two things. It is pronounced Evelyn. He was British. It's not Evelyn. It's not and Evelyn. And it's a man. You gave away my point. Oh, crap. I said two points. <laughs> uh, here you go. Blowing out my birthday candles. <laughs> I didn't know. Yes, his Sorry. name is Evelyn Waugh, and he's a he. Actually was married to a woman named Evelyn. That's silly. Yeah, and his friends would call him um, he Evelyn and she Evelyn. Why didn't they just call him he Evelyn and she Evelyn? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're on fire tonight. <laughs> I mean, it's you. They should have. They should have. Go back in time and tell his friends that. I will. Um, but Holly and I are actually reading. I'm rereading it. Holly's reading it. We're trying to read it together. Um, we've not been able to find a ton of time to read it together. Um, <clears throat> so I'll be. Wait. What? Just so most of these books, besides Flannery, when Daniel and I say that we read them together, it means that we like switch off. Normally we do pages. It's like, mm-hmm. I'll read a page, then Daniel will read a page. Some people might not understand how we read it together. Like, it might be that we both read a copy at the same time. No, because I would never buy two copies of the same book. Why would we need that? I don't know, but some people may. Daniel and I sit on the couch together and read it we out alternate. loud to each other. Mm-hmm. It's also how, how we read The Hunger Games. It is. Hunger Games, the last two books were on the Kindle, so we did oh, yeah. a couple of pages. It was great. Sorry, was. I just wanted to clarify that because I think it's it's interesting. 
<laughs> Hopefully someone else thinks it's interesting. Go on. Anyway. Um, Broadside Revisited, it's probably Yvonne Waugh's most famous book. Um, there was like a BBC miniseries made about I think there was a movie made mm-hmm. about it a mm-hmm. few years ago. Um, so it's probably the most famous of his works. Um, he is a Catholic convert. He converted in like 1930. Um, and he primarily wrote um like satires um and they're very like it's a lot of like british humor like <laughs> like there's one character in one of his books whose um name is uh lord circumference and his son's <laughs> name is tangent and it's just so witty and funny <laughs> um but anyway but this is um like a more serious book from him um and it follows um this guy charles Ryder. um who starts off, he's in the military, they come upon this, like, great house, and that's where they're gonna, like, quarter these soldiers, and someone's like, oh, look at, look at this place, and he says, I know, I've been here before, and then it flashes back to his time in Oxford, and he meets this guy, Sebastian, and that's the house where he is in the, in the prologue, is Sebastian Marchmain's, um, house, Which like, is where why, he lives. and it's called Brideshead. It's called Brideshead, is the name Revisited. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's revisiting Brideshead. There we go. <laughs> it's like that one Family Guy thing where he's it's like, like, ah, there's uh, been... Oh, they said the name of the movie. In yeah. The... yeah. <laughs> I hate Family Guy, but... Oh. Sorry. It's okay. Um, but what I love most about this, um, this novel is that it shows people of faith who aren't perfect and who stray frequently... But they always like remain faithful in some small way. Like they're always, you can tell that they have been um, fundamentally changed through grace, through their faith. Like they're um, the guy that the main character is friends with, Sebastian. Sebastian Flight. Sorry, I get confused because in British things, the. Um, the Lord takes the title. So he's his dad is Lord Marchmain, and the oldest son takes the name of the estate. So the oldest son in his family's actually name is Brideshead, because that's the name of the estate. And then the rest of the kids just have their last name, which is Flight. I think it's Flight, because I'd never heard that Marchmain before. Yeah, so it's Lord and Lady Marchmain. Anyway, so this is Sebastian Flight. Um, it's just, like, very eccentric. Um, he has a teddy bear. He has a teddy bear named Aloysius he carries around. He's just, like, very, like, just, like, a rich kid, like, trust fund baby, like, does all kind of weird stuff. Um, but he's just, like, cannot, like, he remains a Catholic. Like, there's one scene where, like, Charles is basically like, well, why don't you just, like, stop believing in it? And he says, like, basically, I wish I could. Like, if it weren't all so terribly true, I would. Mm. So they, um, they know that the, they have... They have faith, and they know the Catholic faith is true, whether or not they reject those truths or not. They know that they are true. And it's just, a, I think, a really good picture of um, a lot of people's faith lives and the power of the sacraments and of God's grace working in someone. Um, that you can, you, you can live as if these things are not true, but they are true, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't avoid it. You can't. Because truth is truth. That's true. <laughs> It also um, displays, towards the end, I won't go into specifics, I'll give away the ending, but it displays like like difficult situations that are the result of sin, but the characters um, don't resort to further sin just to get what they want. Hmm. Um, And a lot of times in life, like, there isn't a good resolution to something. Like, through sin, something has been seriously damaged in your life, and sometimes there's just not a way to fix it. Um, and you kind of just have to live with life in that situation. Um, and this book is kind of makes a point to say that like, basically like faith can be messy and remaining faithful can, um, cost you a lot of like sort of pleasures in life and not make you miserable, but like can cause you to not get the thing that you think you want. Um, and I think it just does a really good job of showing that and like here's what real faith is it's not like it's not like a very typical like um 
oh, this person's super faithful, or like, oh, this person is having a tough time, they find faith, and they turn their life around, and they get everything they want. Like, it's like a very realistic... Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Very realistic presentation of faith and the power of faith and what it can bring, but how that's not always what the world would expect success to be. Like, success in the eyes of God might mean you don't get what you want and you quietly suffer through that and give it up to God. Which doesn't doesn't sound like a super happy ending, but... But you're giving something up to God. Right. When we think of sort of what giving ourselves to God and giving our lives to God looks like, sometimes that, that is how it is. Look at the Beatitudes. That's true. This also um, was, I had read this class first for the first time in a, um, I read this book. <laughs> Daniel does that sometimes. Holly thinks it's so funny when I mix my words up. Um, the first time I read this book was for a class, I think I was like a sophomore or junior in college. Um, and I noticed that like all of the characters had saints names and that like it helped you understand their characters more like um, Sebastian, Saint Sebastian is the patron saint of soldiers in the beginning mm-hmm. of the book Charles, Charles is a soldier so then you can read it like oh how is Sebastian acting as his patron and intercessor throughout this book and there's another of like the mother's name is um, Teresa um, she's always like working with lace so it's like oh it's like Saint Teresa of Avila and like there's all of the characters are appropriately named for saints and I like picked up on that and like I think I had like a reading response and so I like sent that in and the, the teacher was like oh this is like really great like would you mind like talking about it in class and I was like oh, oh my god you're doing I'm a literary critic I'm <laughs> figuring out all these puzzles um, so it also kind of ha- I have a somewhat sentimental attachment I'm not a very sentimental person nope. in general so this is what I get sentimental about <laughs> cool yeah sorry you haven't really read the books I talked about so you can't chime in as much no I'm in the... hey we're reading Brideshead you can talk about the first two chapters of it. I like them <laughs> <laughs> ringing endorsement from Holly it's hard to understand that and I know that's about the saint too but that Aloysius is not Aloysius. No, it's Aloysius. I think every time I read it, I want to say Aloysius. Mm-mm, it's not it's wrong. Aloysius. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest part of the book for me so far. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the teddy bear, by the way. Right. We said that earlier. Oh, I didn't know. Do you have anything else to say about No, I'm done. Great. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, and my last books that are my favorite. Um, I have a tendency, especially with books, that if I like one of them, I want to get more of them, and I get a lot of them. So I like this one book by Charles Martin, and so then I got all the books by Charles Martin. (laughs) (laughs) And guess what? I loved all of them. So I started with, okay, I should preface this better. These books may discredit all of the credible things I've given or said before. Holly's, yeah, I don't, th- my, if people enjoy reading, let the, like, let them read, I say. <laughs> <laughs> no, but people are often like, oh, I, these books are silly. Like, I think if people should read what they enjoy reading, Daniel, and if it's... <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, this says on the front of it, warning, this book will break your heart. <laughs> Just to clarify, this book will break your heart. I know. And I don't, but I think, I think there's some value, some small nugget of, if there is beauty, truth, or goodness within these novels at any point, that's worth reading them for. Well, thank you. That was And nice. I, I'm putting the full power of all my degrees in English behind that statement. Wow. Um, okay. So I love these books. I love. Okay, I should start. Start. Um, Just please start when you're ready. <laughs> the first one that I read is "When Crickets Cry," and it follows the story of a um, man. I forgot his it's name. A cricket farmer. Shut up! That's not what it is. It's this man who used to be a heart surgeon. Um. Yeah, and uh. He 
like meets this little girl who um, is really really sick, and she's selling crickets on the side of the road to raise money to help pay for her cricket surgery. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> to pay for her like um, medical bills because she's really sick, and so it follows their relationship and how he got to where he is now, and the heartbreak that he has felt, and um, just the little girl's like hope and the beautiful like story of her like uh, journey through the sickness and being so young and always having the sickness um I cried a lot during this book I mean it warned you no that's not this one that's oh the sorry one. well they should have had a heartbreak warning on all uh, of them they should have but he develops characters very very well and develops their backstories very very well um and he is a Christian um, and so there are a lot, there's like this one bar, I think it's in When Crickets Cry. It's like, I've always really loved thinking back on this. I, the, there's this bar down the street that I kind of envision being from this book, even though it's definitely not. But the bar in the book is like this whole undercover Christian thing where it's like, I don't even remember if like there's like napkins that have verses on them or like something. Like, everything else, it just feels like a bar. So there are all these people who come in, and they're, like, just trying to get drunk or, like, whatever. And he, like, won't serve them past a certain limit. And he, like, starts conversations really well. It's just, like, a really cool view of, like, a bar as an evangelization tool. So that's cool. When Crickets Cry by Charles Martin. That's my favorite one. I've read it twice. And you were saying you like it because of the character development. And I've yes. got, you get into, like, anything, like, I know to recommend a book for you if it has, like, characters, especially, like, intergenerational I relationships do love between that. characters. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed a lot of, like, TV shows and movies that you like, it's all, like, very strongly developed characters. When Dino and I watched Friday Night Lights, we watched them, like, on Netflix, of course, and I think we watched, like, an episode a night for, like, two months. If, if not more than one episode <laughs> No, we only watch one episode. I think that was before the the rule, the self-imposed one episode per night rule. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know, but I remember like during the days at work while we were watching the Friday Night Lights, I would be like worried about Matt Saracen. <laughs> I remember worrying a lot about Tyra and um, Tim. No, Chris Victorious. Oh, Landry. Landry, Landry, and Tyra. Oh, I was like, oh, like in knots that day. <laughs> I could not. I just was so, I'm just so connected to them, and I feel like they're real people in my life. And so when reading these books, I get really, really, like, there's, like, love involved and heartbreak, and I just get really caught up in them, and I cry, and it's really sweet, and there's a lot of triumph, and it's great. But other books by him that I won't go into too much, as much detail, because we're going really long, um, are Where the River Ends is really good, and The Dead Don't Dance and its sequel, Maggie. Um, I really, really liked The Dead Don't Dance and Maggie. Those were um, really great, especially to me, because it followed a girl, like, a love story between this, uh, like, kind of poor guy, or came from, like, a poor background, to um, finding love in this woman um, who was, like, I don't remember, she was, like, the mayor's daughter or something. She's, like, really, really wealthy, but she was an artist, and so I really loved um, her creativity and her artistic um, elements that she brought to it. I just want to point out that The Dead Don't Dance, the description says, a novel of awakening on it. <laughs> They're so cheesy. Boys who are listening, or guys, excuse me, guys who are listening to the podcast, don't read these. They're definitely not for you. They're for girls. <laughs> Stop. He has a great picture on the back of this one. Yeah, I'll just mimic it before we stop it. <laughs> no. Um, but those are my favorite books. But really, I think, like, if you if you enjoy reading, read. I think... Um, they brought me a lot of happiness and a lot of... Mm-hmm. I, like, I still think about their characters, especially Maggie, um, that book I loved. Right. And it doesn't have to be... Um, you know, I think every author we mentioned is Christian or Catholic, Um Catholic or at least Christian um, but that doesn't that's not necessarily a good book doesn't have to be written by a Christian or a Catholic I think beauty can be found right everywhere. and any any good artist should seek to communicate 
like one of the transcendentals, transcendentals like beauty, truth, or goodness. And um, through experiencing that and meditating on that, we can um, improve our relationship with God and like contemplate something of God through that. So don't feel like you're limited to only Christian, because there's a lot of bad Christian novels out there. If you, Let's be real. <laughs> a lot of, um, what's the Amish series? I don't know, but they're always at Barnes and Noble. They are. Um, we don't know if they're bad, by the way. Well, they've never read them. The covers look kind of cheesy. That's they what do. I'm saying. Um, but yeah, so don't feel like you're limited to um, any sort of, like, oh, I need to read, like, these, quote, smart people books, or, like, oh, I need to read Christian fiction. Like, find a book you read. Think, you know, put some thought into it when you're reading it. Like, what is, what is the message that's trying to be conveyed? Like, what values are shown here? Like, what does this book teach me about life and about life um, in regards to living in accordance with God's will? It also is okay to, to read a book that you don't agree with the message. Mm-hmm. Such as, like, um, I have to say this really quickly. We, I listen, no, ugh, I read, did not watch, I read Gone Girl, um, which had, like, it's, had a lot of really, really terrible things I just had to flip through the pages on. But the message of it about marriage, I definitely did not agree with. But understanding someone else's understanding of... Okay. It's a lot of understanding <laughs> to be had. To see someone else's understanding of marriage helped me to understand the like other side. Mm-hmm. And to better understand my side because I understood theirs. Right. Yeah. So don't... I think um, a lot of times people will be um, like reluctant to like them to say like oh that's not true I'm not going to read about it where it's like well if it's not true then what is like if you read about it and you still don't think it's true that's fine like you're not going to you're either going to learn the truth or you're going to like like what's there to be afraid of is what I'm saying mm-hmm. so don't, don't also like don't go read Fifty Shades of Grey no that that I think crosses the line yeah I mean like try to Experience culture mm-hmm. through reading, right? Reading books and things, but also don't get too far into it, right? I mean, with everything, you have to practice prudence and wisdom, and like, is this going to lead me to a right? Is this book? Yeah, you shouldn't. If anything is going to lead you to sin, or um, just within reading it is a sin, mm-hmm. um, then it should definitely be avoided. But don't shy away from something that isn't explicitly Christian or like doesn't you know have um they may have like other ideas or themes that you don't totally agree with because like holly said we're we're called to evangelize the world and you can't explain something to someone if you don't know how they're thinking um so that it can only it can only help you and the truth is the truth so don't be afraid you're going to accidentally stumble over something that's some kind of other truth and like oh this is this other truth i didn't know about the truth is the truth and it requires um the intellect to, to figure out like is this actually true and you have to Work consider it, it consider it with the revealed truth of God and whether or not they are cohesive um, but yeah so don't shy away from those mm-hmm. yeah go read some books visit your local library oh my gosh people should okay our library I imagine most libraries are like this but you can download like audiobooks like Ebooks. We just got this whole thing for magazines. Yeah, I can get like, Martha Stewart Living, Martha Stewart all Weddings. All for free. HGTV Magazine, house, Good Housekeeping. <laughs> what? Sorry, you're just Do I sound so like a excited. Loser? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, go to the library. Unless I will buy books if I want to read them again. Or if I want to write in them. <laughs> what? Why did that seem like a confession? It's okay. You can write in your books. Um, but no, go to the library, read a book. And like it. <laughs> you better read that book. Um, but yeah, so thanks. Um, thank you to Katie thank for you to Katie suggesting. Thank you for that. Hopefully um, we didn't just make everyone not want to read ever again. Or did. I hope that we didn't just bore everyone to death. That's also, yeah, people were like, oh, that was like reading. I hated it. Um, And I'm sorry for my silliness. Well, 
Why change it now? I mean, it's been 13 <laughs> episodes. Um, I am who I am. But yeah, but thank you for, to Katie for suggesting that. If anyone has any other topics or questions or anything that they think would be good for us to answer on the podcast, uh, let us know. And if you have any feedback in general or corrections or rebuttals, if you want to say all those books stink, that's fine. Email us. Uh, please don't do that. Please be nice about it. <laughs> be nice about it, but tell us if we are wrong. Yes. Probably not, but... No. I'm just kidding. I know, but then they're going to be like, oh, no, they don't want to hear that. Oh. We will t- <laughs> we will take criticism very well. Yeah. So please, if we ever do say something wrong, please tell us. Anyway, so um, any feedback, email us at halfway saints podcast at gmail.com um follow us on twitter halfway underscore saints like us on facebook review us on itunes subscribe and subscribe Mm -hmm. and tell your friends tell everyone and happy mother's day again yes we love the mothers (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) oh well it's time it's time for us to go to bed uh thanks for listening everyone we'll be back next week Bye.